0: Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, reunited and it feels so good. And reunited with the Gridiron Show, a Hall of Famer, bona fide Super Bowl champion, Jerry Rice speaks to Will Gavin. We'll also head into the Cowboys locker room. We'll look at some of the key decisions and uh, intrigues from week 12, no week 11 of the NFL. And there's all a whole load of other stuff as well. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Uh, Ollie Hunter in the studio. Will Gavin probably in his pants. He's got a lot of cats all over him. I'll act, I can vouch for. How are you,
1: Willie? <laughs> I am covered in cats, although actually one of them's buggered off now. It's just, so it's just what I'm left with one cat. But uh, no, I'm fully dressed because it's far too cold to be just sat around in my pants. But, uh, and also, we've got a, uh, a, f- a friend staying at the moment. I was, as you, as you are well aware, Ollie at a wedding this past weekend, which means my knowledge of week 11 is somewhat limited. And we're also doing this podcast a little bit later in the week. So we figured we should just touch on some of the big storylines. And I've watched back kind of three or four of the games that Mm -hmm. I thought that I'd kind of been recommended to watch based on intrigue and storylines. So we're going to touch on those. Um, But yeah, because we've got a friend staying for the wedding, it's also not really acceptable to be stressing around in your pants while you've got company.
0: No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, I'm surprised, actually. though. I'm not saying
1: I haven't done it. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. it's not socially acceptable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which, is a, Fam- which is
1: famously a- not someone who who conforms to social uh, social norms. Unfortunately, no. no. <sighs> <Wee. laughs> How was the wedding? Was it good? The wedding was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I know that Adam listens to the show. Actually, the uh, the groom of the wedding, Adam and Talisa, who are just the best, and it was probably the best wedding i've been to at which i wasn't getting married um wow it was it was really interesting because talisa is is she's half indian half australian oh yeah mate she is moving over yet perfect she's moving over from india uh she's got a, a you know a large indian family and then you've got adam who is uh from yorkshire and just you know as normative as possible. And it was a real kind of, it was really interesting because it was kind of a, a kind of culture clash. You know, the dance floor had everything from power ballads to Bollywood and, uh, it was, and like the food all had that little bit of, uh, to it as well. And it was just, it all came together beautifully and it was a brilliant ceremony and the speeches were really good and the booze was all free. And yeah, it was, uh, it was messy. It was I gave him a messy. shout I out. I did.
0: I gave him a shout out About on, um, f- on on TalkSport 2 uh but I was confused as to why he was wearing a kilt when he's from Yorkshire uh
1: his dad's Scottish oh, so fair. he's okay. uh, yeah. he is he is half Scottish his dad's Scottish his mum's Polish and he's from Yorkshire so it was a real diverse culture of people oh.
0: there.
1: um we uh we actually we I got the taxi driver to put you on in the taxi back from the venue to our hotel when we finally left at about 3 a.m.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I fell asleep before I actually heard you. I heard a little bit of the commentary and then oh, nodded off in the cab because buddy. it's me.
0: So I'm sorry, mate.
1: Do you know <laughs> I tried what? to support No, you. it's really fine.
0: Do you know what? I had a really good time doing it. It's, um, it's quite difficult. Um, because you don't have much time to just chat and talk and, and really go into it. Because before you've started to compose what you've said or recapped what's happened, oh, you've got to go back. But it was really good fun. It was interesting as well, given um, the Mitch Trubitsky benching slash injury thing. Um, I don't think he was injured. Uh, I, I suppose we should do this now. I, I...
1: Oh, a little, little... Little teaser for our conversation coming up,
0: or are we banging straight into it? I don't know. I reckon maybe it it, it feels natural. He he was dreadful. Jared Goff, aside from maybe a couple of drives, wasn't much better. Both defences played really well. Um, But Trubisky, I mean, we've been banging this drum ever since he came out of college. He's not an NFL quarterback, and he's just not um, with... What was it? Seventeen seven, three and a half minutes to go. Chase Daniels comes in. You didn't get to see on the coverage the conversation until about, I think until that drive had ended. But there was a long conversation between Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky when Matt Nagy puts his play... Book or play sheet, you know, the laminated, laminated play sheet by their heads so you can't see what's going on. You just see Trubitsky nodding from the other side. Uh, he looked gutted. He didn't look injured. At no point did he look like he had a hip injury. So it was a very, very weird decision. The commentators, uh, Tom Thompson and Rod Woodson, or Charles Woodson, one or the other, uh, they were they were perplexed and dumbfounded as well they couldn't understand well I mean you could understand why he, he got benched because he wasn't good but that when the news came out that it was an injury they didn't they, they, they questioned that they queried that just for a bloke who got drafted after Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson sorry before Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson what a fall from grace
1: 100% uh, it was look I th- the thing is watching it back with the kind of hindsight of knowing everything that's been said since I I watched the, the two drives before that. And we're talking about an offense who are in absolute free fall anyway. You know, only 14.3 points per game, only just north of 260 total yards, 166 passing yards a game. One for four on third down as well as an average for the season, basically, which is, you know, as much as I, you know that I'm not a Trubisky fan, and we've talked about that since almost day one, uh, there's, Matt Nagy has to take some some stick for that as well. And his play calling has come into question this week. He said he's not going to be giving it up. But for a guy who designs a good offense, he doesn't seem to call a good offense, um, <clears throat> which is a very different skill. It is genuinely. You can design really good plays. But if you call the wrong plays in the wrong moment, yeah. then it's not going to work for you. And I think we saw that from, say, for example, the Rams in the Super Bowl. You know, that offense was obviously brilliant all year and was a really well-designed offense, but uh, the the Patriots reacted to it with two weeks of of, of build to get to there, and they didn't know how to react off the back, and that comes down to play calling. I don't think that comes down to bad offensive design. Uh, But you're you're absolutely right. I didn't see anything that suggested, and and, uh, Nagy claimed that it happened two drives earlier. I didn't see anything that suggested that, his hip was hurting before that, that he was struggling on and off the field, that there was any difference in his throws. They were still, you know, high and overthrown most of the time, trying Mm -hmm. to force the ball into windows that didn't exist. Just the same rubbish. And I just, there are people out there who are convinced that this guy is still going, still can be an NFL quarterback with a change of, whether it's a change of scenery, a change of coaching, with with an opportunity for some time away, rebuild his confidence, whatever it is. I'm not convinced of that at all. And maybe there was an NFL, uh, an NFL potential quarterback coming out of college. But he has been put in such a situation in Chicago. Between the offensive line issues they've had, the lack of running game, which has been as much about, again, play calling it as it's been about talent. Between some receiver issues, you know, the lack of tight end when Trey Burton went down and then his kind of disappearance seemingly since he came back from injury, he has been put in a horrendous situation. It's reminiscent of David Carr in Houston when he first came out of college. Um, <clears throat> you know, the guy's clearly a smart bloke, but I just I, I would be amazed if he gets an NFL renaissance, particularly considering he's either going to be looking for a new team right now or they're going to you know, keep him on but find a bridge guy while he, he learns. And as we've talked about a lot on this show, this is a summer where there's going to be a huge number of quarterbacks available. And that's even with the guy who was expected to go number one in the draft. Um, having come through successful hip surgery from that dislocation this week, the big question mark over whether or not he's now even going to be a top 10 pick, let alone the number one overall pick. I still think that there is... There is a lot of people who will look at it. Honestly, I would say top five and still even a good chance of him going number one overall tour, even after the injury. I know it was a serious injury. I know it comes off the back of two ankle injuries. But I think you just look at the three years he's been there and you go, there's enough for us to invest that. Plus the Dolphins in particular have got so many draft picks at this point Mm. that if, if it ends up not working, you just take another quarterback next year. (laughs) <laughs> just keep taking shots at it. So I just think Matt Nagy might be out of the league. Uh, Matt Nagy might be out. Of, well, he might be out of the league as well, but certainly Mitchell Trubisky. I think what ends up happening is he probably turns into the backup in Chicago. And if he gets a shot next year because of injury or because of poor play or whatever, then that's when he's got to take his chance. But I don't see him starting for a team week one next, next season.
0: And what is it? His uh, contract is up for renewal. His rookie contract finishes at the end of next year so they're going to have to pay him anyway so make him the quarterback and then if they want to keep him around because he knows the system knows the club as the number 2 he has to accept a, a lower a lower contract i thought there was a couple of other weird things from the game um i think a, a just
1: just to say on that as well don't forget about the fifth year option which they can add on which admittedly is is going to be more than he's been being paid already but say they see six good games out of him, they can whack the fifth-year option on and keep him around for mm. still the price of a, an average backup and still then get rid of him after five years without too much you know, financial concern.
0: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Look, there was, um, there was a stat that flashed up in the mid-fourth quarter where Khalil Mack had been on the field for just four, rushing, uh, four passing downs. And in those four passing downs, he had zero QB pressures. He was then taken out of the game for the final um, point scoring drive from the LA Rams. That's when they started when Goff started slinging it. There's something weird going on there. And I think you have to give props to Sean McVeigh, who probably was waiting out Khalil Mack being taken out of the game either by rest or design or who knows what, and then capitalised on that. So I think actually Sean McVay called an OK game. Todd Gurley was the best player in the first half, and it looks like he may be back to not near his best, but on the way back. So encouraging for the Rams, very, very disappointing. Yes, I'm rubbing my hands with glee for the Bears.
1: Mm -hmm. I, I think you have to look at the upcoming Rams games where... You have the Ravens who just put an absolute hurting on uh, on the Texans this week. You have the Cardinals after that who um, have restricted a 49ers team who previously were running for 180 yards a game to like 70, 75 yards a game two separate occasions. So their run defense isn't bad at all. Then the Seahawks, then the Cowboys. We we're going to talk about their defense dropping off somewhat, but still have a lot of talent there. I don't know, like uh, this might be for me a flash in the pan moment for Todd Gurley, but if he is healthy and looking good and can really start to be the, the focal point of that offense again down the stretch, maybe they get healthy and maybe they start putting a hurting on some of these teams. And
0: he has to get health. Well, he has to be the focal point because they're they're not healthy on wide receiver when their fourth guy is now their number two in Josh Reynolds because of various injuries to the wide receiving core, they've struggled to find their tight ends, the two tight ends who are much vaunted barely had a look in uh, in the game on Sunday as well so uh, there are still issues but you're right, Um, if they can address those, they're a dangerous team, Aaron Donald was phenomenal again they're a dangerous team
1: (sighs) Um, let's talk about – well, we, we we need to talk about the, the 49ers because we're going to have Jerry Rice coming up. We're also going to have Sean Lee coming up uh, on the NFC side of things. But just just one of the storyline that I think is really interesting from this past weekend, we've just mentioned Lamar Jackson and the absolute hurting that the Ravens put on the Texans. And realistically, not just the, the kind of hurting offensively because it was another performance from Lamar Jackson which solidifies his MVP. And, and just to be clear on this, people who – and I have obviously been on that Seahawks Russell Wilson bad wagon all season. And there's the very good argument that you can say MVP means most valuable player, yada yada yeah, yadda, whatever. <laughs> but Lamar Jackson has statement wins over the Texans and Deshaun Watson over the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, and over the New England Patriots in the last four weeks. They have gone from a four and two team who were maybe lacking a little bit of identity on defense and didn't really know where they were going to suddenly being a team who are with those four wins on the bounce. I think now the favorites for the number one seed. Now they still have a couple of difficult games coming up. The you have still got to play the 49ers. They've still got to play the the Rams. They've still got to play the bills on the road, which is, is always tough to go to Buffalo in, in kind of late November, early December, but I I look at the I fact to say look at the New England Patriots. They've got the the tiebreak over the New England Patriots from the win. Their defense is obviously still playing brilliantly, and the the Eagles' offense was a, a shambles in that oh, yeah. game on on Sunday night. They sit at the top of the AFC. They're nine and one. There's nothing to worry about on that. But the offense to call it underwhelming would be a massive understatement. The Patriots are averaging just two points per drive, which is the fifth lowest in the franchise since Bill Belichick took over in 2000. They're they're ranked 25th in the red zone. They're ranked 21st with goal-to-go situations. Tom Brady appears to be ridiculously the heart of of the problems uh, this past weekend, 26 of 47 for 216 yards and no touchdowns. Um, it's the first time in Brady's 20 year career. <laughs> he played a game and didn't lead the team in touchdown passes because of Julian Edelman throwing one at the end of the game. Uh, I don't think this is a one game clunker. I don't think this is a one off. This has been the, the gradual decline that our friend Dan Hans over on the around the NFL podcast has talked about over the years. But it's the gradual decline has suddenly come stark and come bare. And they're going to need that defense to continue to play at the ridiculously high level. I'm, just, I'm not ready to buy into the idea, particularly when they've got Cowboys, Chiefs and Texans up over the next three games. I really don't buy into the idea that this is just the Patriots get right late in the season. They figure things out. They eventually get there because we're at week 12 now and that offense still looks dross. And I just think that between those three really good teams coming up, which one loss there could be the difference between the first and second seed. Two losses could see them out of the bye entirely. No home field advantage, an offense under playing. And despite having a historical defense, I just don't see... If they had to face three or four good teams in the playoffs, I can't see just one of them not scoring enough points to outdo that offense.
0: Yeah and if you look at the next three games that is where we're going to really learn a lot more about the Patriots because yeah you said the 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 defense is outstanding but um when you need a, a trick play from Julian Edmund to Philip Dorset Dorset by the way went out of the game after taking a big hit catching that ball we'll see what his status will be like throughout the week and we'll we'll check in during our preview show but they've got the cowboys this weekend they're monday night uh, sorry sunday night football the week after against houston in houston cowboys is in in foxborough then they host the chiefs after that in foxborough so the next three games they could conceivably lose all three slash win all three i mean they, whatever you know but um they're they're down on wide receivers with potentially Dorset being out, Nikhil Harry came in, but uh, I didn't see anything from him um, when he came in. I don't think he was even thrown to. So there's there are, as you said, there are serious serious issues on offense. They can't get James White the ball. Sidney Michelle has looked at uh, a shadow of himself. So there are issues. There are absolute issues there. But defense, it's that old adage, and you hear it probably on every single podcast. Defense wins you championships. If the defense can hold up. And if they haven't peaked too soon, i.e. now uh, on defense, then they'll be okay. But, yeah, I think you're right. And,
1: uh, there are just there are a couple of things to mention. You mentioned Nikhil Harry coming back and potentially playing a big role and they need another weapon out there. Uh, the, the, the draft pick they've paid for Mo Sunu is looking more and more baffling by the moment. um Isaiah Wynn coming back this next week could be absolutely huge for them. He's apparently been practicing already, can now come off IR on the old boomerang, is ready to go. So if that really solves some offensive line problems, because he saw a lot of pressure this past weekend, Tom Brady, then maybe that's the difference. And actually, I just remembered what I wanted to say about the Rams game. The other thing is, and you will have been listening to, I guess, the the, West, the Westwood One commentary, so I don't know how much they spoke about this. But Chris Collinsworth, uh, with the Rams offensive line they basically changed four of the five positions on the offensive line for Mm. that game this weekend and it seemed to make a legitimate difference they came like they came off a bye week they went right we're gonna move i think they moved Blythe from guard into center they put bobby evans in the rookie they brought in austin corbett like they they changed the, the the whole setup of the everywhere bar andrew whitworth the left tackle And it worked. So maybe for the Rams, that's that's a big thing that's going to solve it for them. And maybe for the Patriots, offensive line change will mean that, you know, Tom Brady's going to have enough time to to get himself back on track. So as much as I want to celebrate the potential demise of Tom Brady, don't be shocked if he ends up pulling it out and and just being, you know, classic. Classic uh, Patriots.
0: Listen, they go up against the Cowboys this weekend. Uh, Robert Quinn, eight and a half sacks. Demarcus Lawrence, four and a half sacks. That's a that's two. F- one guy who's in form and has got previous. Another guy who's waiting to kick into form in Demarcus Lawrence. I think that is going to be a fascinating matchup. That I, maybe you say, tweaked offensive line going up against that Cowboys pass rush. <laughs>
1: I'm, uh, I, it was a good game for their pass rush this past weekend. Michael Bennett two sacks, Quinn with a sack as well, um, but against you know a Jeff Driscoll Lions team who still managed to put twenty seven points on them, despite the fact that they didn 't have their starting quarterback. They had both Scarborough in at running back. you know Jeff Driscoll running himself eight for fifty one and a touchdown, so it was very kind of. Uh, You know, nobody went over 47 yards in the receiving game. So it it wasn't like a barn burning offensive performance from the Lions. But it's interesting with the Cowboys. We were just talking about the Eagles against the Patriots. The Cowboys get this win. I still maintain, even with what that now does to the NFC East in terms of standings and and gives the, the Cowboys that one game advantage, that the Eagles run down the stretch. That was their tough game left on the schedule, essentially. If they can now get their offence right over the ne- over the coming weeks when they're playing, let's be honest, a bunch of, you know, Dolphins, Giants. Oh, no, they've got the Seahawks first. Dang it. Could they lose that one? They've got to beat the Cowboys, essentially. But they've still got the Dolphins, Washington, and the Giants twice. So, I don't know. Maybe I still think they'll win the NFC East. I'm, I'm not as convinced as I was the other day, but I'm still
0: feeling it a little bit. It, it's, um, it, it throws up that the NFC East, the, a, a division that we... Maligned for having all of the primetime games and it being sometimes a little bit boring the, it looks like down the stretch it's going to be a really interesting uh, two-headed race to try and see who's going to make it into the playoffs really interesting so it makes a division that normally we're a bit tired of a little bit more exciting
1: Right, let's, um, let's turn our attention to well, no, we've already got the Cowboys should we hear from Sean Lee? Yeah while we're just mentioning it uh, he, Matt Sherry caught up with Sean Lee, the, uh, kind of, I think hall of fame linebacker, a future hall of famer of the, uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, a brilliant leader in the middle there. And, and a man who stepped back really for, to allow Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch to come through and do their thing. But uh, it still continues to be a leader, still continues to come in and make some impact on, on rotation. And so, um, Sherry spoke to him about, you know, what it's like, what's, what is life like as a Dallas Cowboy?
2: Here in the victorious Dallas Cowboys locker room with veteran linebacker Sean Lee. First of all, a philosophical question. What's it like to play for the, you know, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys? Does, does that bring an extra weight of
3: expectation? Absolutely. I mean, the tradition that's been built here with the championships, the great players that have played here, that's something that we love and that's very special and that we embrace. And we know every time we step on the field, we got to represent ourselves a certain way and, and we have that history on our mind. You've been a
2: heartbeat of this team for a number of years now, and it's been you mentioned the championships, but it has been nearly three decades since the the last one. Um, Does that in itself bring a a weight of expectation, and how keen are you to say they're the most famous sports franchise in the world but haven't won a lot recently?
3: No question. There's a sense of urgency that, hey, we need to get back to where we want to be, and it takes a certain type of work. Um, it takes guys coming together. Um, and getting wins like this, close games that are tough, you have to do that. And that's a good step for us today.
2: The um, This team that they have right now, I mean, we were chatting, the, the roster's loaded, isn't it, both on offense and defense. Is this the most talented squad that you've been a part of?
3: you know there's there's no question we we do have a lot of talent but when you play a team every team they're loaded with talent and the margin for error between these teams is very small so you have to be extremely disciplined you have to be able to outwork a team you have to do it inch a week in practice and make sure you're ready for every single situation because you know you're playing against great players on the other side of the ball
2: your role now is an interesting one for so for so long that heartbeat he as the middle linebacker but are you as much a mentor to these young guys around you and I guess you feed off their energy a little bit as well.
3: No question. I mean, I got a lot of older guys who passed down how to play, how to work the right way to me, and now it's my responsibility to pass it to these young guys. They love football. They work extremely hard. um, And you're right, they bring a lot of energy, something I feed off of uh, as an older guy.
1: Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred.com. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code chelt 40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred, at the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash
0: promotions. Keep it fun.
4: Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy-dress fun run to fundraise for sports relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne, smashing through injustice. She is our winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit! You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportsrelief.com. Sportsrelief, it's game on! This message was brought to you by Acast.
1: (laughs) Sean Lee, Matt Sherry, what a pairing! Ollie, what a pairing!
0: It's glorious. Head to at Gridiron on Twitter to have a a look at that interview. Um, Sherry looking resplendent. They loved Ford Field, by the way. Is it Ford Field?
3: It is it Ford is, Field.
0: Yeah. yeah, they loved Ford Field as a as a as a venue. It's just a pity that the city isn't great, and therefore probably not necessarily suited to have a Super Bowl. Um, despite there being despite it being you know a, a dome city a dome stadium but um yeah they loved the they loved the 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 stadium they really enjoyed the game as well so um Pretty pleased for the touchdown trip, guys. After I think three or four games in the freezing cold, one of which uh, Connor was telling me was minus nine, uh, the fact that they managed to get to watch a game in their jumpers rather than woolly hats, thermals, uh, big coats, big coats, and uh, and uh, you know snow trout, snow pants, and stuff.
1: Uh, still to come, we'll do our quick recap of the weekend action. Just any other thoughts we've had, including uh, uh, an impressive performance from Kirk Cousins. We'll preview Thursday Night Football, Colts, Texans, and we'll talk about the 49ers because yesterday I got to go to the launch of the new NFL Academy gym. Uh, it's part of the NFL Academy which discussed the launch of previously. And uh, one of the ambassadors, and really, as much as, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, OBJ, there's some exciting names out there. Jerry Rice, <laughs> the GOATs. It's Jerry. The man who... Yeah, absolutely. The man who, when you look at all-time receiving yards, a, a, a list where, yes, you've still got uh, Larry Fitzgerald playing and seemingly, you know, a, a man who is uh, almost as uh, as never-ending in his career as, uh, as Jerry Rice was, still sits... Second on the list with around sixteen thousand eight hundred, and Jerry Rice has 22,900 receiving yards. He leads the NFL all time in receptions, in touchdowns. Uh, he's got you know, four Super Bowls to his name. He's an absolute bona fide legend in the Bay Area and uh, and in the whole of the NFL. Uh, and I got a chance to catch up with him at the NFL Academy launch event where we kicked things off. As I approached him to to start chatting, um. We talked beards. Jerry, hi. How are you doing? Well. Good, I'm doing great.
5: Man. Good to you see you, man. Yeah, very well. Thank you very to, well had, I had to let the beard go, man. Oh Well, it's, it's disappointing. I, no. I thought we could have rocked the no, beard no, together. No. It would have been a strong look. No, I love my beard, though. I, I really did. But, you know, uh, my manager was like, you know what? You know, we got a lot of endorsements, things that we got to do and stuff <laughs> like that. So you're going to have to let the beard go. So she's saying a beard but, isn't but, something but worth cool. selling. It, it, it looks cool on you, though. I like that. I like that. Jerry Rice,
1: I'm a 49ers fan, and you've just made my absolute (laughs) life, so thank you very much. Uh, Right, shall we? Are we in shot? Is everything good? Uh, Talk sport here at the launch of the NFL Academy, Jim, and delighted to say that we're joined by Hall of Fame wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders. We don't like to mention
5: that part of the career. Uh, Jerry Rice, Jerry, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, man. It's great being here uh, to launch uh, the NFL Academy and, and having the players up there, you know, just looking at them, and I remember when I was one of those uh, players. So, you know, just uh, having the opportunity to be here and be a part of this. And, you know, what the NFL is trying to do, we, we, we're trying to expand. We're trying to teach uh, this great game. And I realize that a lot of the players here, you know, they play other sports and stuff like that, and, and they're just now getting their, well, their, their feet wet, uh, you know, learning about uh, professional football and uh, just football in general. But, you know, I'm looking forward to just, uh, that interaction with the kids. I mean, you're a guy who didn't take the, the most normal route to the NFL.
1: No, you weren't not. a top prospect. You weren't at one of the kind of big college schools. So seeing guys like
5: this, what advice
1: would you give to them coming through a bit of a different route?
5: You know, I think just that, you know, the sky's the limit. Uh, dream. Uh, you never know what is planned for you. Because, you know, I, I came out of B.L. Moore High School, a very small school. Then I went on to college to a Mississippi Valley State University. Then I get drafted to the NFL. <laughs> and, and it's like a dream come true for me. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, some of those guys that are uh, that were standing here, that's going to be out on that football field, uh, you know, live the dream. It can happen. I've got to ask, we've got the Packers 49ers game this weekend live
1: on game. on our channel. And obviously, I've got to ask you what you think of the, the 49ers so far this season.
5: I think the 49ers are doing pretty good. But, you know, I don't feel like this team uh, is going to get complacent. I don't feel like they feel like they have arrived. Uh, there are still uh, things that they need to correct and, and get better at. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to do that. And I think they have that swagger and that, that standard. So, big night, Packers, and you know Aaron Rodgers. You got Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers, he does not like the 49ers because they passed on him. And every time he gets the opportunity to uh, try to rub it in their face... He's going to do that. So it's going to be a great challenge.
1: We've got to beat them in their house a couple of times in yeah. the playoffs. So, you know what, Jerry, I, I'm feeling confident about this weekend. What about Jimmy G? Because we saw this past weekend over 400 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. But I thought, most importantly, a, a game-winning drive. And he was maybe the question mark for a lot of people. So what have you seen from him this season in terms of his growth?
5: Yeah, I, I think what, what's happening with Jimmy G is, you know, we lost him last year to uh, the ACL tear. Now he's starting to get comfortable back on the football field. He's still, you know, forcing the ball just a little bit because during that game, even even though he threw for over 400 yards, he still had uh, two interceptions. But on that final drive, uh, with pressure coming at him, you know, for him to stand in the pocket, uh, deliver the football uh, for that winning touchdown, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. And I want to ask you as well about Kyle Shanahan, because you worked under
1: one of the great offensive minds of all time in in Bill Walsh, someone who invented a system which still three-quarters of the NFL are using a version of. What do you see from Shanahan when you compare him to Bill Walsh, of of what he does to make sure that guys can get open and make it easier for Garoppolo? Uh,
5: Kyle Shanahan, great play caller. I mean, he's going to put his uh, players in a position where they can win. And then it's just going to be up to those players. So, you know, they have built a standard. Uh, it's back now. The crowd is excited. Now, I think this past uh, ball game, there was over like 70,000 people. Uh, and it's just like getting to like almost like the old 49ers again. So uh, him and Kyle, uh, 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 John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they have done a fantastic job of bringing that standard back. Well, I mean, you look like you could still go at fifty-seven. Still, so
1: we're here in a gym. You can probably show these guys a thing or two at
5: this point. So you know, no, all no, no. I'm gonna be on the field uh, <laughs> with these guys at the NFL Academy today. I'm gonna be out there running routes. I'm not gonna be just be standing around. So they better, you know, bring my football shoes out or something, man. I'm ready to go. Brilliant, Jerry. Thank you so much yeah. for your time yeah. and enjoy the rest of today. Yeah, I got to get that beard back though, man. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. You know. All right. Me.
1: Okay. Jerry. Real pleasure. Thank you, man. Jerry Rice at the NFL Academy launch, talking beards, talking football. Uh, I Honestly, life moment made, Ollie Hunter. We've met Jerry Rice a couple of times before. And in fact, when, we, when I interviewed him briefly at Super Bowl 50, he was sporting the beard at that point. Yeah. But to get a compliment from Jerry Rice on the beard was a wonderful moment.
0: Might as well retire, pal. <laughs>
1: Just give yeah. it up. Hey,
0: this is your right, last I'm season.
1: Done. There you go. Cats. I'm. Uh, I'm. Going <laughs> silence, so you're going to see a lot more of me. Uh, <laughs> I've actually swapped cats now. Ridiculously. Uh, right. So, uh, what I would say about Jerry Rice himself first, before we get onto his comments about the Forty Nineers. Uh, I caught up with his agent, the lo- lovely Sasha, who we've worked with quite a few times before, and she's always absolutely brilliant. But. While he was still doing a few more of the interviews, I, I chatted to her for ten or fifteen minutes and just had a bit of a, a life catch-up, really. Oh. But she was talking about how humble he was. And about two weeks ago, he was voted by us. Two three weeks ago, he was voted by USA Today the number one player of all time in the in their hundred year history of the NFL. Look back. Now, when the, the the current NFL list comes down to it with players, I you know I think there'll be a few quarterbacks ahead of him, Tom Brady, maybe even Joe Montana, you know, and they have had a previous list where he was number one, I think back in 2013, maybe. Mm. But when she, he was on honeymoon when, um, when the, the news came through and his agent had promised not to contact him on honeymoon, said she was just going to let them be or whatever. But she did just send him a screenshot of the new of the front of the newspaper with him on it saying like number one all time player or whatever. And just said, wow. And he, apparently rang her and was, like, asking, sorry, where's Joe? Where's Jim Brown? Where's, like, name, basically named about six players that he thought should be ahead of him. Wow. And you do get this impression that he's the most just humble, Hard, like hard-working, genuine guy. The workouts that he did with the guys yesterday apparently went down an absolute storm. And like he said to me at the end there, I'm going to be out there running routes. They better have their A game on because I'm going to be out there bringing it. At 57 years old, he looks absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, to be in his kind of presence for an extended period of time was 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 lovely. And, well, chatting to Sasha, hopefully we'll get a bit more of an extended chat, kind of 15, 20 minutes with him at the Super Bowl this year. That's the intention, hopefully, depending on... You know, his other commitments. Considering it's the hundredth year of the NFL, I imagine he's gonna be pretty busy at the Super Bowl. But um yeah, we're gonna try and arrange a proper sit down with him. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that'll be
0: really exciting. Two things, Willie. Just two things. Go to I think NFL UK uh had some videos of him running routes and catching um catching passes and he's honestly he still looks great. So if you haven't seen that, go over there to Twitter find it. Um Did you show him my route for the first touchdown at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium?
1: Uh, No, I didn't. I'm sorry. That's out of order. (laughs) Like that, is it? (laughs) No, it's fine. It's all good. It's all good. Unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) I know, I know. Right, let's uh, let's talk about the... uh, the, Let's do a quick wrap through the the rest of the stuff. But on the 49ers, so... I can't figure out how I feel about this this win over the Cardinals last weekend. Obviously, the late scoop and score defensive touchdown makes it look a lot better than it was. Um, the fact that the Cardinals have played us very close twice in three weeks and played very well. And Kyler Murray, before we get on to talking about the 49ers side of things, Kyler Murray looks like he's the answer. He does, like, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure I actually like the offense still. I'm still not sure I'm a fan of Cliff Kingsbury because... Guys are not getting open in that offense. Christian Kirk had a couple of catches where he didn't have somebody around him. But it's not like the the 49ers offense, to use the example of the opposition, where they're scheming guys open so that he can find, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders on a crossing route to then pick up an extra 15, 20 yards because he's hitting him in stride and open. It's a lot of throws into very tight windows. He he that was. If they'd won that game this past weekend, people would be talking about Kyler Murray as an absolute superstar. They didn't win the game because Jimmy Garoppolo took the 49ers on a really good game winning touchdown drive. And he threw for 424 yards and three touchdowns. And everyone wants to sit here and go, Jimmy Garoppolo, have yourself a day. And that was, there's an element of it where it was a great performance from him. But I am terrified by the interceptions. I know one came off the hands of a receiver, and it was, but it was a high throw. And you heard Jerry Rice talk about the ACL injury. A high throw can, you know, still be part of his mechanical issues because he's still recovering from that. And it's something we've seen him try and force the ball in a lot this season. But he's had ten picks. He's had eight in ten games this season. He's had eight games where he's had at least one interception. That's despite the fact that the 49ers have attempted the sixth fewest passes in the NFL of everyone. And you actually look at them, there, there were a couple of interceptions. Not all of the 10 have been his. Three of them, when you look back on them, have been catchable passes, including that one this weekend and ricocheted defenders. But of the other seven, none of them have been passes where it's been a – a deep shot, gunslinger throw, looking for somebody in tight coverage, and a and a cornerback makes a great play. They've been much more about him not seeing the field and not seeing guys over the middle and, and trying to force a throw in where there's not one available and just making a mental error. I think he looks great for about 80-85% of the game right now. And I still believe in him. And people have to, people can't forget with Jimmy Garoppolo that he's had less starts than Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. I know he's been in the league longer and he worked with Tom Brady, but you know, because of the injuries and because he was at the Patriots, he is less experienced in terms of minutes on the field and starts than guys who were drafted last year. So there 's still a learning curve, and he talks about learning lessons this past weekend. I just look at the next three games and who they 're going to be playing against, and we 're talking about three teams who are in the top eleven I'm gonna, i 'm going to I wish it was top ten to make it sound better, uh, but who are in the top eleven in terms of interceptions this season. I just have that little bit of fear that with the running game being a little bit weaker recently we've gone from 181 yards average per game to 72 yards over the last three games. And with the defense having given up points the last three weeks in a way that they hadn't been before that, that we're going to have to lean on Garoppolo against the Packers, against New Orleans and against Baltimore. And that just those little errors might be the difference between, I think we need one win from those three, probably sees us with a buy Two wins from those three probably sees us as the number one overall pick, as the number one seed.
0: Yeah, and you've I, got to look at what Green Bay have got left. Say you lose to Green Bay, um, what Green Bay have, they've got to go to Minnesota, they've got a couple of other tough games, whereas the 49ers have also got a tough game. So it is, it's touch and go to see who is going to get the number one and number two seed potentially out of those my, two.
1: My hope for Green Bay this weekend from a 49ers perspective, and we'll obviously do a much bigger preview of this game on Friday, is that Green Bay's inability against the run at times this season allows the 49ers run game to get healthy, and Matt Breeder being back also will help that in a big way. Yeah. That's the kind of fingers crossed of it all, but it's just fingers
0: crossed at the moment. Um, Charles Woodson. there anything else? Charles Wooden, sorry, sorry, Charles Woodson said on. Oh no! It was, I think it was Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice said in your interview that Aaron Rodgers always plays well, or or, or wants to play well mm-hmm. against the Forty ers So that's something that can't be um, denied. That can't be th- not thought about because the Packers, coming off a bye, will have had a long time to look at this game. They have massively studied what Arizona did, and on off both offense and defense. And the Packers' secondary has got better darnell savage i'm absolutely loving at the moment as 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 a rookie defensive backfield guy um who's also coming down in and forcing pressure uh and getting the odd sack or two so um this game what a game to have on talk sport and i, I, talk sport too. I know we're gonna preview it better on on friday but um it, it's it's absolutely key for both both seasons. I think both Forty ers and and Packers. Right, uh, we've
1: only got a couple of minutes left here, so let's just quickly. It's are there any other thoughts you had from this past weekend that you just wanted to get out there? I know we're kind of later in the week, so we don't need to do every game.
0: Yeah, I just I know you and I wanted to talk about the the weird game in Minnesota where. Um, the Broncos destroyed the Vikings first half and then the Vikings came back. Kirk Cousins, have you seen the videos of him going around every single department going, we need to play better with, you know, uh, really geeing up every single player going, come on, let's do this. And he did that at the beginning of the the second half and he came out and some of... i know there there were some defensive issues that allowed people like kyle rudolph and stefan diggs to get open um some dreadful defensive issues from the broncos and maybe that that makes it look better but kirk Cousins still has to make those throws the one to rudolph he had to roll out towards his left set himself and then throw almost across his body it's not quite patrick mahomesy but it's a very very good throw to find kyle rudolph in stride um I think they've got a, a really good player in Earth Smith Junior, who's a, the natural successor to Rudolph when potentially he goes either this year or next. So, I thought the Vikings were really impressive in coming back. That says a lot for a team to come back like that from being down twenty-two to nothing, uh, twenty to nothing. I think the previous ninety-nine times that's happened before in the NFL. 99 times the team that was 20 to nothing down lost. So incredible stuff from P- Kirk Cousins.
1: You don't just think that is the correct stat the previous 99 occasions where a team was losing by 20 points or more at halftime they were 0 and 99 cousins is in the midst of a career best run hasn't thrown an interception in 163 pass attempts the longest streak currently in the nfl since week 5 he's thrown just 80 he's thrown 18 touchdowns to just one interceptions which leads him amongst all qualified passers he's averaging nearly 300 yards a game 126.5 passer rating and in that time the vikings have gone 6 and 1 and all of that without adam thielen yeah I... i've been i think he's been great over the last six or seven weeks and yes they had a bad first half this week against the broncos but to come back in that situation and for him to be the leader of that comeback i'm looking forward to speaking to matt sherry later this week and seeing if he's ready to eat his kirk cousin works
0: <laughs> the thing is next week he could absolutely poop the bed so it, there is always that and sherry will always have that to come back but it does look like that he is putting the team back on his shoulders now that Thielen's out, um, a natural leader for that offense, Thielen, um, and he's getting responses from players like Diggs, and he did it without Cook, Dalvin Cook being particularly good last week. So, yeah, yeah, very exciting NFC North-wise, and that game in Minneapolis between Green Bay and uh, the Vikings, I think it's week 16, is going to be an absolute banger as well
1: right very quickly the afc south the indianapolis colts against the houston texans both teams are six and four the colts have the tiebreaker because of the win earlier this season uh, they could go into houston take the home and home and you know be a, a step away from sealing up the afc south against a houston team who got humbled against the ravens this past weekend i think this is a barnstormer
0: yeah absolute banger um you'd expect a response from the Texans especially and the Colts are grinding out wins they're they're, sneakily a little favourite team of mine at the moment because they're doing these things without, they had the turmoil at the beginning of the season with Luck going and then Brissett going out off injured coming back and uh, they've now lost uh, Marlon Mack but you kind of think when they lose players the rest of the team rallies and and, um, steps up and They've got a, ver- a variety of running backs that can can come in and fill that void. Really exciting game.
1: It's bizarre to say, but in the thirty-three to thirteen win over the um, over the Jags, I know Foles had the one interception, but Foles didn't actually play a bad game. The Colts' defense were brilliant. Add to that the fact that without Marlon Mack, uh, yeah, with with, with Marlon Mack getting his 109 yards and his touchdown. Sorry. You still had Jonathan Williams out there. 13 carries, 116 yards. Just the back end of their defense looked really, really good this past weekend. Uh, Rocky sin was really good. Darius Leonard in coverage was really good. I I thought they absolutely smothered the Jags uh, receivers. And I, I, I quite like them to go. I know it's Thursday night football and my rule is always pick the home team on Thursday night football, but I kind of like them to go into Houston and and get the win.
0: I'm I also want them to go in and into Houston and get the win because um, I think it's an abomination that they lost that badly to the Ravens and I don't think they deserve anything out of this season. They've upset <laughs> me. Look, I've got to go, Willie, um, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Are you going to be in on Friday? And we'll, we'll, I'm, maybe I'll see you we'll figure it out we'll yeah, figure it I out
1: at uk gridiron on instagram gridiron on twitter please go rate and, and do all that good review and do all that good stuff i don't care if you listen on an, on an android get your laptop fire up itunes still go and give us a review because like 70 percent of listeners come through there and it does help us find more listeners lots of love buddy have a good one thank you for listening this has been the gridiron show